just like to welcome everyone who's joining us for uh, our live stream. It's only one part of our service here at Chelsea Community Church in City Temple. You can be part of the whole thing by dropping us an email, or you can come and visit us in person. If you have your Bible, we're going to turn to two places. First of all, to John chapter 1, and then to Revelation chapter 19. John 1 and Revelation 19. Before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true and that it really does show us who you are, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I pray today, Father, that you'd open it up to us in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I could bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully to glory and to, the glorify, to glorify and honor Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We start out in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And then to Revelation chapter 19. Picking up with verse 11, John writes here again, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, it might be surprising to you, but I often get myself in trouble, particularly when I'm preaching, uh, because I tend to say things. Like I remember one time, this is back in the mid-90s, you know, I was in a church and I was talking about how sinful we were and how lost we were. And I said, you know, it's kind of like we're like scum. We're like scum on the pond of life. And afterwards, driving home, Karen looked at me and said, scum on the pond of life? Come on. But, I, you know, one of the ones that got me in really big trouble was when I suggested that Jesus in his humanity had to use the toilet. People were tremendously offended by the idea that Jesus, that I would suggest that Jesus had to use the toilet. You know, and I'm like, well, what did he do? Did he walk around like this all the time? I don't think so. You know, he was fully human. And, uh, and so today, I'm going to get myself into trouble again. In fact, I, I was going to title this message, Jesus is Full of It. But I thought that that might get me in trouble online. So I thought, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I maybe shouldn't call it that. But, uh, you, know, it's, you know, Jesus is full of it. Now, we, we know the, the slang, full of it in English. You know, it normally means that someone's speaking nonsense or they're unreliable uh, they're being ridiculous or mischievous or troublesome in some way. You know, that's, uh, you're full of it. And, and it used to have kind of really bad connotations. But now, you know, most of us guys, when we're talking, you know, we're off, ah, oh, yeah, you're full of it. We kind of kid around a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking today, maybe we can redeem full of it a little bit when it comes to Jesus. And maybe we can redeem full of it a little bit when it comes us because I think not only is Jesus full of it, but maybe we should be full of it too. The key thing is what the it is going to be and how you're going to fill that in. And so maybe we should reflect on that a little bit uh, based on the passages today. You know, first of all, I'd say if you're talking about Jesus being full of it, I'd say Jesus is full of God because he is fully God. I mean, that's what that's what John, I mean, all these things are coming from the text that we read today. And that's what John, that's the point he's trying to make. I mean, you can go into all kinds of gyrations about what logos means and, and uh, different kinds of philosophical arguments and things. But basically, what John is saying here in this passage is that Jesus is full of God because he is fully God. Jesus is the eternal God. He was there at the beginning. He was with God and he was God. Jesus is the creator God. He joined with his Father and with the Holy Spirit in creating the universe as God. Jesus is God from the beginning of everything and Jesus was not created himself, contrary to what some, uh, some sects and things would try to believe. He is God, the Word, the Word. But notice here that the Word, it's not a book. He's not God the Torah. He's not God the Koran. He's God, the Word, a person. 
He's a person. He is a person who is God in eternal relationship with God. And Jesus, as God, is the source of all life, physical and spiritual. Everything that lives, lives because of life in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is full of God because he is full of God. But Jesus is also full of light, according to John. Jesus is full of light because he is the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As we know, light is essential for life as we know it. We need light for photosynthesis to occur. We need light to be able to live on this planet. If we were bound in utter darkness, we would have a difficult time to survive. We know how important light is now uh, when the power goes out in the middle of the night and we don't have any anymore. We see how dark darkness can be because light is essential for sight and light is essential for life. And Jesus is the light, according to John, that shines in the darkness of our world. No matter how dark it seems, no matter how bad it looks, no matter the fact that we're on the cusp of World War III, according to some, but I've been saying for more than a year that we're already in World War III. It just depends on whether it becomes a hot war or not. It's dark. It's very dark right now, but Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness of our world. And as John says, the, dar the darkness shall not overcome it. The darkness, no matter how dark it is, cannot overcome the light who is Jesus Christ. And this Jesus Christ is the light for all people. He's not just the light for British people or American people, uh, or light-skinned people, or dark-skinned people, or uh, Israelis, or people who live in Gaza. He is the light for all people. That all people might see what is true, might see what is really, what really is, what really exists. He's the light by which, the only light by which we can see that. He's the light for all people by which we might experience genuine life. And there's no light and there's no life outside of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come with any other religion of the world. It doesn't come with any other religious leader. Moses was not the light. Muhammad was not the light. Buddha was not the light. But Jesus is the light. And he is the only true light, according to John. The only true light which gives light to everyone, whether or not they accept it. Whether or not they choose to see. So Jesus is full of light because he is the light. And John tells us too that Jesus is full of humanity because he is the word become flesh. Jesus was fully human. He shared in our life in every way except for sin. 
He never sinned. He was never ashamed. He never felt guilty. He never felt fear. Because he was free from sin. And John says that Jesus, the word, becomes flesh. And this Jesus dwells among us. We often forget this. And we often miss it. Because our tendency is to think that Jesus came and dwells over us. That somehow he lived his whole life in a privileged place, far above where we, where we live our lives. Or sometimes people will tend to think that Jesus somehow lives under us, that Jesus is subject to my whims and my desires and my opinions about who he is and about what he has done. But Jesus is not the one who lives below us and he's not the one who lives above us. John tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh who dwells among us in our sorrow, in our difficulty. He's right alongside of us. In our joy, in promise, he's right alongside of us. In the, in the things that we do not understand, the wars that we cannot comprehend, the stupidity of human beings that we cannot figure out, Jesus is among us. Jesus is with us as the Word, as God, who became fully human. But the world he created did not and still does not recognize him. Even his chosen people, those whom he called to be his very own people, did not receive him. It's a mystery. It's extraordinary. Yet, as fully God and fully human, Jesus is here even today for all who will receive him. No matter where they're from, Jesus is here because Jesus is full of humanity because he is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And John tells us that Jesus is full of it in another way. That Jesus is full of glory because he is the glorious son of God. Jesus is the glory of the son from the father. We cannot see the father's glory and live. It would burn brighter than the sun. That's what he told Moses. He said, you can't see my face, but I'll give you a glimpse as I pass by. Otherwise you'd die. But John tells us that Jesus is the glory of the Father, that he shines forth the Father's glory in a way that we can see. He shines forth the Father's glory in a way that we can relate to. He shines forth the Father's glory in a way that we can understand. It's the glory of a son from the Father, the only son from his Father. And we know this because people have seen, people like John, they have seen his glory. They saw it on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw it on the day of the resurrection. They saw it in his ascension. John would go on to see it when he saw the revelation. He saw the glory of Jesus Christ and he can say, I've seen it and I can testify to it. Paul, he was caught up into the third heaven and he saw the glory of Jesus Christ. And he said, I've seen it and I can testify to it. And Jesus' glory shines for everyone who will see. 
The thing about glory is you can't hide it. You cannot disguise it. It is there. And Jesus' glory shines forth for everyone supremely from the empty tomb. As we sang, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is full of glory because he is the glorious son of God. And Jesus is also full of it in another way. Jesus is full of grace and truth because he himself is the source and embodiment of grace and truth. Grace, what's grace? Grace is undeserved favor. The unmerited kindness of God. And truth is what really is, what really exists. Truth is not an opinion. This whole thing about my truth, my truth is nothing more than my perceptions and my opinion. Has no more value than that and has no more relationship with truth as an apple does to an orange. But Jesus is the source of truth, of what really is, of what really exists, how the universe really is. And there's no other religious system that has both grace and truth in it. No other system. There's some that have mercy. There's some that claim to have truth, but don't. But Jesus himself is the embodiment of grace and truth. Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. This God that no one has seen. This God so awesome that no one can see and live. Jesus is saying, this is God. He's full of grace. He's full of truth, just as I'm full of grace and truth. Jesus shows us the grace and truth of God in a way that no one can see and no one can experience apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who can reveal God because Jesus is God. And the good news here is that from his fullness, we all receive. From the fullness of Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of grace and truth, we all receive. Now notice here what it says. We all receive grace upon grace. Notice that it doesn't say we all receive truth upon truth. Why is that? I think it's because only Jesus has a complete grasp on truth. You see the danger for us is we get a little bit of truth and we think we have a lot more than we do. It's a bit like the poem by Alexander Pope. You know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Drink deep from the Pierian spring because shallow drops shallow drafts intoxicate the brain, but drinking largely sobers us again. From him we receive grace upon grace, and in that grace upon grace that we receive, we are able to get a glimpse of the truth, the truth which he embodies. But Jesus is full of grace and truth because he is the source of grace and truth. But we also see something else. And this is the glimpse that John gives us in Revelation. 
Jesus is full of the wrath of God Almighty because he is the only one to execute God's righteous judgment as King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is full of the wrath of God Almighty because he is the only one to execute God's righteous judgment as King of kings and Lord of lords. John gives us a glorious picture of this Jesus Christ. You know, today there's not a lot of people in the world that see Jesus as he really is. And there's a whole lot of people, in fact, the majority of the world don't even want to know Jesus. They don't really want to see Jesus, even though Jesus is the source of the peace they desire. Jesus is the source of the life they desire. Jesus is the source of the light that we desire. But so many people think that they can do it themselves, that they can just work hard or cooperate, build a government or something like that, that can bring all these things, and it's a lie. But people have deceived themselves with this lie for generation after generation after generation. And so right now, not everybody sees the glory of Jesus. Not everybody sees the majesty of Jesus. But the time is coming when every eye shall see him exactly as he is. And John gives us a glimpse of this, that Jesus is the coming, conquering King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that this Jesus who's coming is faithful and true. He is the only one who can judge and make war in righteousness. That's why we never seek revenge. We cannot seek revenge. The moment we try to seek revenge, we move into unrighteousness and unholiness because out of our sinfulness, we cannot seek revenge. We cannot fully make the wrong things right because what tends to happen, we either err on the side of grace or what we perceive to be truth. So sometimes we try to offer grace toward things that God doesn't offer grace toward. And sometimes we think we offer truth in such a way that has no grace at all and doesn't embody the heart of God for human beings. Jesus doesn't have that problem. So he's the only one who judges and makes war in righteousness. He is, as seen there in Revelation, the word of God who died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. And the cross itself shows both God's righteous judgment against sin and evil and God's grace and love. In that moment, in that place. And Jesus is the embodiment of that as he comes again. And John shows us that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron as the head of the host of heaven and the only one to execute God's wrath on all sin, evil, and unrighteousness. But that day is coming, and Jesus will indeed do that. Because Jesus, he is full of the wrath of God Almighty. Because he's the only one, he's the only one that can bear up with this. He's the only one that can show us what this is in righteousness and holiness. So Jesus is full of all these things for us in his glory, in his majesty. And I think if we really understand how Jesus, if you will, is full of it or full of these things, 
then we will want to become full of Jesus. We'll want to become full of him as well. We'll want to experience his fullness. How does he suggest we do this? A few things in the text. John tells us that to everyone who believed him, who received him, who believed in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. Now there's a tendency for a lot of people to say, well, we're all God's children. The Bible says, no, we're not. We're not. God is the Father, but that doesn't make us all his children. You know the only right that we have as Christians in the Bible? And I, I keep telling people to challenge me on this and correct me if I'm wrong. But I've looked. And the only right that we have as people is the right to be called children of God, or as Christians, is the right to be called children of God as believers in Jesus. That's our right. And it's an extraordinary right that we have, but it only comes when we receive him as he is in all of his fullness. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, I like the light part, but I don't like the God part. You can't say, I like the God part, but I don't like the humanity part. You can't say, I like the grace and truth part, but I don't like the wrath of God Almighty part. You have to receive Jesus as he is, as the Bible has revealed him, because there's no other Jesus. And you cannot create a Jesus in your own mind, and your opinion of Jesus is not equal to the Bible. Not all opinions of who Jesus is and what he's done are equal. And there's an awful lot of foolishness out there, including among some people who call themselves Christians. So we have to receive Jesus, believe in his name, become children of God. Then John tells us that we've all received from him grace upon grace. And that's the next thing. If we want to be full of Jesus... We need to receive the grace upon grace that we need for living. I don't know about you, but I make a lot of mistakes almost every day. And sometimes I make the same mistakes over. I'm probably the only person that ever does that, right? Uh, the only person that ever repeats the same sin. Because I know you guys hear the Lord, you repent, and you're, you're good, but not me. You know, in fact, maybe you should be preaching up here instead of me. Uh, because, uh, no, we all do that, right? Tomorrow, I'm, I'll probably make a mistake. I won't do so. I don't pray as I should pray. I don't understand the Bible as I should. Uh, sometimes I don't treat my wife with the uh, respect and honor that I should. There's all kinds of ways that we mess up every single day. And quite frankly, we need grace upon grace upon grace. We need God's undeserved favor every single day. But when you're a child of God, and when you stand on that right as a child, to be called a child of God, you receive, by definition, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And we need it. And we need to say, God, let me receive that grace today. Yet again. 
And one of the great expressions of God's grace in our lives is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit again today. Fill me with that grace and give me spiritual gifts. You know what spiritual gifts are? Literal word is little expressions of grace. Charismata. Charismata. So if you have a spiritual gift, it's a grace that God has given you that he wants you to give to somebody else. You can't keep it for yourself. You need to give it away. And so you get grace upon grace for your own life, and you get grace upon grace so you can give it away to all those people who annoy you and those people who love, who love you and whom you love as well. We have grace upon grace upon grace. And if we really understand the fullness of Jesus and we want to be filled with the fullness of Jesus, then we need to bear witness about the light. Just like John bore witness about the light, just as others have borne witness about the light. That's an interesting thing, this, this idea of bearing witness. It doesn't say convince other people that Jesus is the light. It doesn't say persuade other people that Jesus is the light. It doesn't say uh, force other people to accept Jesus as the light. It doesn't say knock them on the ground with your big Bible and hold their eyes open until they see the light shining. It says bear witness, point to the light. Let the light shine from you so that people see and so that come, people will come to Jesus. And if we want to be full of Jesus, we allow Jesus to fill us with grace and truth and the power of the Spirit. We need both in the world today. We do need grace and we do need truth. And frankly, there's a whole lot of the body of Christ that have sacrificed truth on the altar of grace. There's so many people who have said, oh, that's okay, that sin's not so bad. God loves you just the way you are. He accepts you just the way you are. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. But that's not real grace. It's not God's undeserved kindness. It's our giving undeserved kindness that we have no right to give. But frankly, the other problem is almost equally as bad today. Christians who think they have the truth, but they walk in no grace whatsoever. I'm tired of Christian leaders just openly criticizing other Christian leaders as if they are subject to them, not subject to Jesus Christ. I'm tired of people thinking that they have the truth and their version of the truth, their understanding of the truth is the only right one and everyone who names the name Jesus Christ that doesn't have that particular understanding of the truth, that somehow they don't have the truth or grace and they're wrong. Just as we cannot sacrifice truth on the altar of grace, we cannot sacrifice grace on the altar of truth. Jesus is full of both grace and truth. And if we are not full of both grace and truth, we are not full of Jesus. Truth without grace is not Jesus. Grace without truth is not Jesus.
We need both. Jesus is full of all these things, and we need to be full of Jesus. And the good news is, you just ask. You simply receive. And Jesus responds and opens our eyes and shows us the light and fills us with himself. So maybe today, and maybe just for today, I don't know. I don't know if you could go around in your workplace tomorrow and do this. But maybe just for today, we can walk around to each other and say, you know, you're really full of it today. You're really full of it. And just for today, if, you know, after the sermon, you want to come up to me and talk about the sermon and say, Rod, you know, you were really full of it today. I'll take that as a compliment because we want to be full of Jesus in all his fullness. And we want to reflect his glory. And like Jesus, we want to be full of grace and truth because the world needs Jesus right now The world needs to know Jesus right now in all his fullness. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for loving us. And thank you for letting us talk about these things in such a way. Lord, you know our hearts and you know the love that we have for you. Lord, I do pray, Lord Jesus, today, by your Holy Spirit, fill us with grace and truth. Fill us with the fullness of you, that we might live our lives boldly and faithfully, bringing you the glory, honor, and praise you deserve. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the Father and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for loving us and enfolding us into your life through faith in Jesus Christ. We love you and we worship you and we adore you. And we give honor to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our worship.